Lord, we don't, we don't lean on human words or human preparations. Uh, those can be good and, and helpful and, and encouraging or challenging. Um, but the power to change, the power to grow, the power to mature comes only from you. So, Lord, we, we just really desperately ask that your spirit would come and make this next 30 minutes, whatever it is, really count. Lord, we trust uh, before the sermon has even started, we trust that you have a word for each person here, regardless of the age. Lord, would you just keep us hopeful, keep us full of faith for what you want to say to us today. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So to welcome the kids to the service today, this is the first week that everyone will be together, and I thought I'd, I'd give a fitting message about sin. And David and Bathsheba. If you guys don't like the sermon, you can talk to Rob about it next week. Not my problem. You know, not really. It's going to revolve around some of those things, but not really. Let me ask you a question to start. Christian, are you satisfied with your walk with Jesus? Are you satisfied in the things that only He can do for you? Not satisfied as a whole, because as we're going to get into, there's many, many different ways to be satisfied in life. But are you satisfied in your relationship? Are you getting fed by Him regularly? Is He giving you what you need? Or are you hungry and searching and wanting other things? Because all I really want to say today is that our satisfaction is really, really, really important to Jesus but there's a war on it. Our passions, the things we enjoy, the things we go for, the things we find comfort in, there is a war for these things. And if we're not finding them regularly in Jesus, which we were meant to, we will go looking for them elsewhere. Those are the only choices. Those are the only choices. So we're going to read Psalm 51. A, be- a beautiful psalm. Uh, a heartfelt psalm. A psalm of tears and guilt and pain. A beautiful psalm. Not by my description, but it really is. So it's Psalm 51. And I'm just going to read verse 10 or verse 12. David the psalmist says this, he says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. I would invite you to read the the rest of it, 
uh, for context. But uh, even in these short verses, I really just want to focus on verse 12. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because this psalm is a plea of David who has dramatically and painfully gone off course with the Lord. He says, I've gone off course. I've wandered from your embrace. And the whole chapter speaks to David's realization of the guilt that he has before God. Now, the interesting thing about Psalm 51 is it's so specific to one event in time. And that's the sin of David and Bathsheba. At the time of this psalm, David has skipped the war where he sent Joab, his commander, to go to. He's stayed at home. He's kind of killed time on his rooftop overlooking the city. He's become very interested in a woman that he saw while wandering up there. He forego any sort of warnings that he shouldn't get to know her better. And instead got to know her pretty well. Instead of knowing the wrong that he did and doing something about it, he decided, well, I guess I better sweep this up the best I can. And we're going to get Uriah, her husband, back. And, and hopefully he'll smooth it out for me. When that doesn't work, because he's, he's honorable, the, the contrast between Uriah and David, and this is actually very interesting, as David is trying to sweep the mess under the rug, Uriah is saying, I, I wouldn't dare go see my wife now when all the other troops are on the front lines. Like, David. Anyways, when that doesn't work, he thinks... As, as too many people have thought in the past, I'll just get Uriah a little relaxed and, uh, and maybe he'll be more interested in going home then. When that doesn't work, of course, he sends the letter to Joab, sending him to the most dangerous part of the fighting. When that's done and Bathsheba's had a chance to grieve for her husband, David takes her into his home. Now, one could wonder how long would this have gone on unless Nathan confronted David about it? Because I, I don't see an end in sight before Nathan comes. He's kind of just gotten into a new normal. But Nathan the prophet comes and tells him this big elaborate story about a rich man who steals the poor man's lamb to feed to his guests. The very famous, you are that man, Nathan says to David. And David, of course, unravels from there. The baby is stricken by the Lord. David fasts for a week uh, in which the baby still is taken. How far David went off course. And so when you get this psalm, this psalm is... A, is a response to the events that have taken place about how far he strayed from the Lord, seeking the things that really would satisfy him. 
And it's so relevant to look at restore to me the joy of your salvation. Because in all of this event, David had lost the joy of his salvation. And that's why as we sit here today, we must fight to always be satisfied in the Lord. Because our satisfaction, and this will sound very humanistic, but our satisfaction really matters. David had lost the joy of his salvation. Do we think of King David as weak? Do we look at him as we read about him and say, he is a weak man. He's a weak king. He's carnal. He couldn't control his passions. Do we think of ourselves as weak or needy? The title today is Finding Our True Satisfaction in the Lord. And the big idea is that victory over sin is not from trying harder. It's from finding our satisfaction and joy in the Lord. Every person is in need and we need to seek out Jesus to be fully satisfied. Or we're going to look to the world where sin and pain will create a deeper hole in our hearts. First thing I want to say is this. We are all made by God to have needs. Let's just, let's just be okay with that. We are needy people. And it's okay because God made us that way. God made us wanting to be satisfied. We often say, I can't get no satisfaction. We agree with Mick Jagger in that. Parents, you can tell your kids who Mick Jagger is. If you want to. And then tell Pastor Rob next week how it went. You can have so many voicemails on your... You know, the world looks down on neediness. The world does not look kindly at needy people. It kind of grosses them out a little bit. And in response of that, the world provides option after option after option after option so that nobody will have to be needy. Because needy people are kind of, uh. So the world says. And our needs go way deeper than brand names and gadgets and the newest video games. There are needs going on that you don't even realize are motivating so many of the things that you do. Because we generally only worry about superficial needs and we think that's the only thing that's driving me. But those are the easy ones. It's the deeper, darker, unknown, unseen, undetermined, unfinger-pointed-to needs that really are driving our life. It's so important. Because on the surface, David was not a needy man. In fact, in chapter 10 of 2 Samuel where the whole David and Bathsheba story and uh, confrontation and all that is all recorded from 11 to 12, 
David defeats the Ammonites and the, sorry, Syria, and he basically owns the world. In defeating those two enemies, he has created a giant empire with no threats on, any, on either side. He is sitting pretty. So he doesn't need money. He doesn't need clothes. He doesn't need power. He doesn't need a place to stay. He doesn't need respect. He doesn't need grandeur. He doesn't need any of those things. And yet, in the moment, David is reacting very needily on that rooftop. Because we're always in need of satisfaction. Every minute, every day, whether we know it or not, we're always needing to be satisfied. And it was in that that David looked at Bathsheba. And he made the call that his desire in that moment was more important than whatever came after it. And perhaps he wasn't even thinking about what the consequences would be. What would it have looked like for David to be fully satisfied on that rooftop in Jesus? How might that have changed the scenario? Would he still have found Bathsheba attractive? Because scripture makes a point of saying she was very beautiful, I would presume that he would. But the satisfaction that we have in Jesus, it takes away that edge of neediness. It takes away that edge. And the thing is, you know, when we're in charge of our own needs, we make really bad decisions. When we think to ourselves, if I don't take care of my best interest, my deep desires, if I don't do that, Nobody else is going to do it. We make really bad decisions. Really bad decisions. Young people, see, it's good I get to talk to the young people here because we're all together. So young people, can you just give me one second? I know those uh, coloring pages are super good, but... You know why it's good to listen to your parents? So parents are now listening now too. Because your parents have the big picture. As kids, you kind of grow into the big picture. But as parents who have the big picture, they can see everything going on around your need that is taken over your whole brain. And if it doesn't happen, well, what's the point? Okay, so, so we need to listen to our parents because... They have the benefit of the big picture. Okay, they can see your need for what it really is. So we need to trust them. We need to trust them. Because needs really are a strong motivator. Darian sent this uh, TED Talk this week, who some of you guys have seen and some have not. And... Uh, there's an aspect of this TED Talk. TED Talks are really interesting. They're often British. They've got great accents. Uh, very charismatic. It's, it's a wonderful thing. But uh, he tells a story about addiction. 
and this breaking new idea with addiction that instead of punishing addicts, you should be filling the need for them instead, rather than punishing them and taking them away from everything. So you say, you're wrong, you're bad, you're a junkie, you need to go to prison, you need to lose all of your connections, you need to lose anything that brings you joy, and that's going to solve your problem. And he gives this example of, I don't even like saying it, uh, of these rats. Even the word rat is a horrible word. Written, said, it's a gross word. So he gives this example of these rats. One rat in this cage, drug water, regular water. Rat goes to the drug water again, 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 dies. Nobody cries because it's a rat. But then they do a second experiment. And they fill the rat cage with wonderful, beautiful rat-type things. Like balls and spinners and other friends and great food. And, and, and the thing that happens is the rats never touch the drug water. And doesn't that speak to the power and the drive of need? Of satisfaction. It speaks to the power and motivation. To how much a need being met is in our lives. But I want to make one little sub point to this. In that we all have needs. On a regular basis our needs are. Whatever they are. If you add stress to it. Fatigue. Strife relational issues, the needs become higher. This is something good to realize in our own lives. I did a little uh, research here on calorie intake for, for me to stay the same body weight. Okay, My age, my height, my weight, how many calories do I need a day to maintain my weight? Okay? So with no exercise, nothing strenuous, I need 2,100 calories a meal. I wish. A day, okay? 21. You guys were all judging me a little bit. You rat. 2,100 calories a day I need to stay the same stocky size. All right. If I add exercise one to three days a week of moderate, I now need 2,400 calories. It's not very much. If I add intense exercise, like coming to work at the church six days a week, <laughs> while Rob and Greg are gone, and Darian's beating me at ping pong, so six days of hard exercise a week, I need 3,000 calories. That is one giant meal more a day. So the moral of the story is do lots of exercise so you can eat four giant meals a day. (laughs) Sort of. What am I saying? I'm saying as 
life becomes more strenuous, you will need more nourishment, more satisfaction, because you will have higher needs. And we need to be mindful of that. We need to be mindful of what's going on. We need more Jesus as more stuff comes up in our life. We need more Jesus. We need an extra meal of Jesus during the day. Where we used to have three meals of Jesus a day, we need to add a fourth, and it better be a real big one. Because our need has increased. Secondly, I want to say this. So God has given us needs, and those needs are good. Secondly is this. Our needs, our desire for satisfaction, is a major fork in the road. It is a major fork in the road between sin and Jesus. Okay? Do you guys hear what I'm saying? Because you start, you start just walking down the road, a need arises, and now you have two paths to take. Am I going to find my need satisfied in Jesus, or am I going to go down this road to something else? Think of it this way. On the left is a vending machine, where all you have to do is put the coin in, press the button, get the thing that you need. On the right is this giant mansion of unknown. You think your needs probably met in there, but you're not entirely sure. I'd have to like go through the house, find somebody to help me. There's some unknowns in that. There's some unknowns in that. I want to call a few people up. Who, who really likes meat? Okay, meat eaters, come on up. Come on up. As many of you as you want. It's all going to help. I got some meat for you guys. Corinne's pretty awesome, but, but I, I got some game. I got some game. Meat eaters, oh, I'm going to get beat up here. All right. Just hold tight. I'm going to get it. It's in the kitchen. Okay. Pulled pork sound okay? A good, gee whiz, a good start. All right. Here you go. This is pulled pork wrap, just as I offered for you guys. Would you like to be satisfied with this? Pulled pork. You guys wanted, you guys wanted some pulled pork, and I got it for you, okay? Okay? Enjoy. Okay, it's gonna go. It's gonna go right down. You said you wanted it. It's gonna go right down and really. It's gonna get that hunger taken care of for you guys. Okay. Okay. So good. This is so good. But this is what you wanted. This is what you wanted. Come on, guys. Let's have a little bit more smiles while you're eating this creation. No. Okay. Okay, collectively, are we satisfied? No. We're not satisfied. Okay, very good. So you guys can fight over the bag at the back as long as you're quiet. (laughs) Youth pastors. Youth pastors. I'll give you meat next week. Welcome to the promise of sin in your life. 
Sin promises to give you that thing that you desire and it comes out really, really, really short. If you expected to get the nourishment you needed from a delicious pulled pork which has zero calories, all the nourishment that you need will fuel you all day because it's amazing and you were leaning on that, you'd have a real, real big problem. And yet that's the call of sin. That's the desire of sin in our lives. And yet we say, why aren't I satisfied? I love chips, so I know I'm calling chips sin right now. Okay? I love chips, just so you know. I'm going to hopefully eat some later, but... Right? It's this quest for satisfaction. David hoped he would be so thoroughly satisfied with this encounter with Bathsheba, and all he got was Uriah, a sword never leaving his family, a baby that passed on, and fighting in his home. I'd say that it didn't live up to the hype. It didn't live up to the hype. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom and all other things will be given, granted, available. But you've got to seek me first. You've got to seek me first. Thirdly, I want to say this. In Jesus is the only true satisfaction for our needs. So we've talked about that Jesus has given us a need. He's given us that thing in us that needs to be satisfied. This thing brings us to a crossroad where we can either choose the world's values, the world's answers for our need, or we can choose Jesus. But the reality is, this need is a perfect match for how Jesus wants to meet you and come into your life. The deepest, darkest, uh, most gnawing at you need in your soul is the perfect fit for Jesus to come and fill it. Nothing else is going to satisfy that. Nothing else is going to satisfy that. David says in Psalm 16, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Perhaps he wrote this after Psalm 51. Jesus himself invites us this way. He says in John 15, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Fullness of joy in the Lord is being fully and truly satisfied. So let me, let me say what he means. He says, These things I have spoken to you. He says in verse 4, Abide in me, remain in me. Stay with me. He says in verse 5, you'll bear much fruit when you do that. Verse 7, asking and it will be done for you in prayer. Glorifying my Father in verse 8, proving to be my disciples. Abiding in the love of Christ, verse 9, and keeping His commandments. This sounds a lot like when when, um, David prays, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. 
I want to abide in you again. Because I've tasted how much bitterness is in straying and I want to abide in you again. Peace, fulfillment, satisfaction, rest, joy are not individual pieces that Jesus passes out whenever he feels, feels like it. These are part of the whole package. There are two types of really popular kids in school. Those that have lots of toys, lots of gadgets, cool clothes that are really just getting used. And those that make the friends around them feel awesome and important and valuable and cared for and accepted. And yet Jesus has all those gadgets while making you feel like the most important person in the world. Because the only acceptance we really need is with Jesus. I started off by saying that the world doesn't value neediness. That it looks down on it. And yet Jesus says this in Matthew 5. He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. A lot of needy in there. A whole lot of needy. Because whether we admit it or not, we are full of great need. And it's a need that Jesus can only and loves to meet for us. The world's answers are temporary, fleeting, and often make it a whole lot worse. It's like that salt and vinegar chip that burns your mouth afterwards. Like, why is the thing I wanted stinging so badly after I'm done with it? That's what the world offers. I'm really ragging on chips today, hey? You know, Jesus perfectly diagnosed our needs perfectly. He knows exactly what we need at every time, at every moment. He perfectly moves at the right time and can be perfectly unexpected. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He took care of the biggest need we ever had, which was sin and divisiveness from Him. Rebellion. He appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself, Hebrews 9 says. Just a quick story about unexpectedness. Now, it comes up from time to time that, uh, you know, some of my early years were a little rough. And uh, so I had kind of scattered family and... And some good relationships in that, but scattered. I didn't really know um, what a family dynamic was in some ways. So what does Jesus do in that? Jesus marries me into the, the biggest family ever, who loves each other daily, is involved with everything they do, that they do. And you know what? I know what a brother and a sister is now. Those words have context now. 
And thankfully, God is also restoring relationships from the past. But He knows what your deepest need is. And as we seek Him first, we're going to know that He knows in powerful, amazing ways. Powerful, amazing ways. I'm just going to read you a little bit of a, a hymn here. You know, whether I like it or not, um, I love hymns, I love gospel music. I don't, I just do. Um, the Gaithers did this song, Satisfied. Anybody know that song? Somebody does? They just blast off on it. You guys got to check it out, it's amazing. Um, it says this. All my life long I have panted for a drink from some cool spring that I hoped would quench the burning of the thirst I felt within. Feeding on the filth around me till my strength was almost gone, longing my soul for something better, only still to hunger on. Did David write this? Well of water ever springing, bread of life so rich and free, untold wealth that never faileth, my Redeemer is to me. Hallelujah, He has found me, the one my soul so long has craved. Jesus satisfies all my longings. Through his blood, I now am saved. They just blast off. You guys got to check this out. But it's, it's, it's an amazing song. It's so true. It's so true. So if I could, I'm going to call the worship team up. And I just want, I just want us to, to quiet ourselves. And, and I want to give us some things to ponder. Between us and Jesus... Okay, if we could just bow our heads. Let's just have a talk with our Savior here. I just want Him to speak into these things. What vending machines are there in your life that you could press the button on for instant relief for a need? Can you identify those vending machines? Where have you gotten a need and a want confused? Do you know the times that you're most vulnerable to be satisfied by other things than Jesus? And are those in stressful times or restful times? Because they hit us differently. And lastly, what might Jesus be asking us to lay down so that He can love us and fill us truly? Because everything we give to the world or to a different satisfaction is one less thing that Jesus gets to come in and perfectly touch in our lives. So why don't we just have time with Jesus? Let Him speak truth into these things. And then have, us, have Him direct us. He's going to give us perfect direction.